0: are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year, I am reading and reflecting on the four-volume over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, head on over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast page, and you will be able to share your thoughts and reflections about today's readings with those who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agrita. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Sor Maria, Today is day number 250. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 19, Paragraphs 603 to 610. Chapter 19 Pilate sends the Jews with Jesus and their accusations to Herod, where they advance their charges. Herod treats Jesus with contempt and sends him back to Pilate. Mary follows the Savior other happenings in connection. 603. One of the accusations of the Jews and the priests before Pilate was that Jesus our Savior had begun to stir up the people by his preaching in the province of Galilee. This caused Pilate to inquire whether he was a Galilean. And as they told him that Jesus was born and raised in that country, he thought this circumstance useful for the solution of his difficulties in regard to Jesus and for the escaping of the molestations of the Jews who so urgently demanded his death. Herod was at that time in Jerusalem celebrating the Pasch of the Jews. He was the son of the first Herod, who had murdered the innocents to procure the death of Jesus soon after his birth, Matthew 2.16. This murderer became a proselyte of the Jews at the time of his marriage with a Jewish woman. On this account, his son Herod likewise observed the law of Moses, and he had come to Jerusalem from Galilee, of which he was governor. Pilate was at enmity with Herod, for the two governed the two principal provinces of Palestine, namely Judea and Galilee. And a short time before it had happened that Pilate, in his zeal for the supremacy of the Roman Empire, had murdered some Galileans during a public function in the temple, mixing the blood of the insurgents with that of the holy sacrifices." Herod was highly incensed at this sacrilege, and Pilate, in order to afford him some satisfaction without much trouble to himself, resolved to send him Christ the Lord to be examined and judged as one of the subjects of Herod's sway. Pilate also expected that Herod would set Jesus free as being innocent and a victim of the malice and envy of the priests and scribes. 604. Christ our Lord, therefore, went forth from the house of Pilate to the palace of Herod, being still bound and chained as before, and accompanied by the scribes and priests as his accusers. There were also a large number of soldiers and servants who dragged him along by the ropes and cleared the streets, which had been filled with multitudes of the people to see the spectacle The military broke their way through the crowds, and as the servants and priests were thirsting so eagerly for the blood of the Savior, and wished to shed it, on the very day they hastened with the Lord through the streets, nearly on a run with a great tumult. Mary also set forth from the house of Pilate with her company, in order to follow her sweetest son Jesus, and accompany him on the ways which he was still to go until the death on the cross." It would not have been possible for the lady to follow her beloved closely enough to be in his sight, if she had not ordered her holy angels to open a way for her. They made it possible for her to be constantly near her son, so that she could enjoy his presence, though that also brought with it only a fuller participation in all torments and sorrows. She obtained the fulfillment of all her wishes. For walking along through the streets near the Savior, she saw and heard the insults of the servants, the blows they dealt him, the reproaches of the people, expressed either as their own or repeated from hearsay. 605. When Herod was informed that Pilate would send Jesus of Nazareth to him, he was highly pleased. He knew that Jesus was a great friend of John the Baptist, whom he had ordered to be put to death. Mark six twenty-seven and had heard many reports of his preaching. In vain and foolish curiosity, he harbored the desire of seeing Jesus do something new and extraordinary for his entertainment and wonder. Luke 23.8 The author of life, therefore, came into the presence of the murderer Herod, against whom the blood of the Baptist was calling more loudly to the same Lord for vengeance than in its time for blood of Abel. Genesis 4.10 But the unhappy adulterer, ignorant of the terrible judgment of the Almighty, received him with loud laughter, as an enchanter and conjurer. In this dreadful misconception he commenced to examine and question him, persuaded that he could thereby induce him to work some miracle to satisfy his curiosity. But the master of wisdom and prudence, standing with a humble reserve before his most unworthy judge, answered him not a word. For on account of his evil doing, he well merited the punishment of not hearing the words of life, which he would certainly have heard if he had been disposed to listen to them with reverence. 606. The princes and priests of the Jews stood around continually rehearsing the same accusations and charges which they had advanced in the presence of Pilate. But the Lord maintained silence, and also in regard to these calumnies, much to the disappointment of Herod. In his presence, the Lord would not open his lips neither in order to answer his questions nor in order to refute the accusations. Herod was altogether unworthy of hearing the truth, this being his great punishment, and the punishment most to be dreaded by all the princes and the powerful of the earth. Herod was much put out by the silence and meekness of our Savior and was much disappointed in his vain curiosity. But the unjust judge tried to hide his confusion by mocking and ridiculing the innocent master with his whole cohort of soldiers, and ordering him to be sent back to Pilate. Having made fun of the reserve of the Lord, the servants of Herod joined in treating him as a fool, and as one deficient in mind, and they clothed him in a white garment, in order to mark him as insane and to be avoided as dangerous. But by the hidden providence of the Most High, this dress signified the purity and innocence of the Savior. And these ministers of wickedness were thus unwittingly giving testimony of the truth, which they were trying to obscure in derying the miraculous power of the Lord. 607. Herod showed himself thankful to Pilate for the courtesy of sending Jesus of Nazareth to be judged before his tribunal. He informed Pilate that he found no cause in him, but held him to be an ignorant man of no consequence whatever. By the secret judgments of divine wisdom, Herod and Pilate were reconciled on that day, and thenceforward remained friends. Conducted by many soldiers, both of Herod and Pilate, amid a still greater concourse, tumult, and excitement of the people, Jesus returned from Herod to Pilate. For the very ones who had some time before hailed and venerated him as the Savior and Messiah, blessed of the Lord, Matthew 21, nine, now perverted by the priests and magistrates, had changed their minds and they despise and condemn the same Lord whom they had so shortly before reverenced and glorified. For of such influence is usually the erroneous example of the chiefs in misleading the people. In the midst of all this confusion and ignominy, the Lord passed along, repeating within himself in unspeakable love, humility, and patience those words which he had long before spoken by the mouth of David, I am a worm and no man, the reproach of men and the outcast of people. All that saw me have laughed me to scorn. They have spoken with their lips and wagged the head. Psalm twenty-one seven, The Lord was a worm and no man, not only because he was not engendered like the rest of men, and because he was not merely and solely a man, being true God and man, but also because he was not treated like a man, but like a wretched and despised worm. Amid all the scorn with which he was overwhelmed and trodden underfoot, he made no more outcry than a humble wormlet which is despising a most vile and despicable creature. All the innumerable multitudes that saw our Redeemer spoke of him with wagging heads, as if retracting their previous conception and opinion of the prophet of Nazareth. 608. Although his afflicted mother was more interiorly aware of all that had happened, she was not present in body when the priests advanced their insulting accusations before Herod, and when he sputtered forth his questions to the author of life. She remained outside the hall of judgment, whither they had taken the Lord, but when he came forth from the hall, she met him. And they looked upon each other in reciprocal sorrow of the souls, such as corresponded to the love between such a son and mother. The sight of the white vestment by which they proclaimed him fit to be treated only as an insane fool pierced her heart with new sorrow, though she alone of all mankind recognized the mystery of his purity and innocence indicated by this vestment. She adored him in it with deepest reverence and followed him through the streets back to the house of Pilate, for in the house was to be executed the divine decree for our salvation. On this way, from Herod to Pilate, it happened that on account of the crush of the people, not on account of the haste, they tripped him up and threw him on the ground several times. By their cruel pulling at the ropes with which he was bound, they caused the blood to flow from his sacred veins, his hands being tied, He could not easily help himself to rise from his falls. Therefore, the multitudes of the people who followed, and who were neither able nor cared to stop in their onward rush, stepped upon the divine Lord, treading him underfoot and kicking him. The blows and wounds he thus received, instead of stirring the compassion of the soldiers, only excited them to loud laughter, for instigated by the demons, they had become devoid of all human compassion, no less than so many wild beasts. 609 At the sight of such unmeasured cruelty, the most sorrowful and loving mother was moved to deepest compassion, and turning to her holy angels, she commanded them to gather up the divine blood, in order that it might not be trodden upon and dishonored by the feet of sinners. This the heavenly servants willingly fulfilled. She commanded also that if her divine son should again fall to the earth, they hasten to his assistance and prevent these evildoers from injuring and stepping on his most sacred body." But she was the most prudent of all mortals. She did not wish them to execute her command unless it met the approval of the Lord. And therefore she urged them to make this proposal themselves and ask his permission, representing to him at the same time her anguish as his mother is seeing him thus irreverently subjected to the feet of sinners. In order to so much the sooner move the Lord to grant this petition, she begged him through the holy angels that he commute this humiliation of being trodden upon and crushed by the rabble, into an act of obedience, in complying with the petition of his afflicted mother, who at the same time acknowledged herself as the slave and formed the dust. All these petitions of the Blessed Mother the angels presented to the Lord Christ in her name, not that he was ignorant of them, since he knew all things, and was himself the instigator of them through his divine grace, but the Lord desires in all these matters a regard for the due process of reason. The great lady was aware of this desire, and in her most exalted wisdom practiced virtues in diverse ways and by diverse activities, unimpeded by the foreknowledge of the Lord concerning all things. 6.10 Our Savior Jesus yielded to the desire and petitions of his most blessed mother, and gave the angels permission to execute her requests as her ministers. During the rest of the passage to the house of Pilate, they would not permit the Lord to be tripped or cast to the ground, or to be stepped upon by the crowd as had happened before. But in regard to other injuries, he allowed the stupid wrath and blind malice of the servants of the law and of the populace to vent themselves freely and fully upon his divine person. His most holy mother heard and saw all with an unconquered but lacerated heart. In a proportionate manner, this was also witnessed by the other Marys and St. John, who with ceaseless tears followed the Lord in company with his purest mother. I do not stop to describe the sorrows of these and other pious women who attended upon the Queen, because I would go too wide of my subject, especially if I were to describe the doings of Magdalene, most distinguished in her ardent love of Christ, and most pleasing to the Savior. For to her we must apply what Christ himself said when he justified her, that those love most to whom the greater sins are forgiven. Luke 7. 43. This concludes our reading today for day number 250. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 19, paragraphs 603 to 610. One of the very reasons Jesus is being brought before these tribunals, before Pilate, before Herod, is because of his preaching. What he preached. And we know his words of preaching. We've read them in the gospels. We've heard him proclaim the kingdom of God, for example. We've heard him Uh, preach about the kingdom of heaven and what it's like. He preaches forgiveness. He preaches all of these different messages, the Beatitudes. And yet this preaching is viewed as a threat, even though now we allow that preaching of Jesus to guide our very lives, that we try to do as he commanded us, that we try to live what he taught. We, of course, have the presence of our lady in our reading today and very powerful in the sense that Mary also set forth from the house of Pilate with her company in order to follow her sweetest son, Jesus, and accompany him on the ways. So we have Mary following Jesus as he, as he leaves Pilate's house. And then we have Mary asking the angels to protect Jesus, to not let him fall. We have Mary requesting that the blood of Jesus be wiped up from the ground That's an image again from The Passion of the Christ, a a movie that maybe you have seen. And you wonder what happened with those cloths then, that they wiped the ground of his blood. Did Mary keep them? Are they relics? Did somebody hold fast to them? It's like the swaddling cloth that Jesus was wrapped in. What happened to that? That's one of the things I really liked about Christmas with the Chosen, that Mary had this blanket, this swaddling cloth that Jesus was wrapped in in the manger. And it conveyed to me that sense of treasuring simple possessions like that. It was a relic. And so now you have the blood of Jesus on these towels. So what happened to them? Jesus came to reconcile people. Remember one of his teachings that he taught in his preaching was that if you have a grievance against one of your brothers, go to them and and make it right before coming to the altar. And so today we have Pilate and Herod, and we hear by the secret judgments of divine wisdom, Herod and Pilate were reconciled on that day, and thenceforward remained friends. They were at war with each other over some incidences that occurred, but Jesus brings them together in their condemnation of him and sentencing of him, yes, but Jesus is able to restore friendship. Hopefully, the friendship restored, they will use for good and that they will repent of the evil that has taken place. And finally, that brief reference to Mary Magdalene in our reading today, very powerful and a good reminder what Jesus taught that those love most to whom the greater sins are forgiven. So because we're forgiven, we should love. And that's the command of Jesus in his preaching. Love one another as I have loved you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God, I'm grateful you joined me today and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you and Mary pray for you.